Lord, you are here, and we are here. We await your touch, the sense of your presence. Stir our hearts and help us become more life-giving and more life-filled. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Most of you know, and I'm sure that those of you that are taking the class of John um, know this, but John is definitely the most theological of all the Gospels. John is writing this when he's like 90 years old, probably. And he has had a time to reflect on what he really wants to say. And what he says is often quite different than some of the other gospel writers. So he is giving us, from his point of view, a picture of Jesus that is so profound that it kind of springs right off the page. So today we start in chapter 12, but we're going to back up a little bit to chapter 11 to see how we got to chapter 12. And chapter 11 tells us of an important event, and it's really the last of John's recorded miracles in his gospel. Um, He'll have lots of other things to say. He'll have lots of other prayers, but this is his miracle. And so we find out in chapter 11 that Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, is ill. And they send to Jesus. And Jesus does not rush right to Bethany. And he talks about it with his disciples. And he said, finally he says, well, you know, it's time now to go. And his disciples say, you know, Bethany is a dangerous place. Bethany is a mere two or three miles from Jerusalem. So Jesus is making that final journey in John's gospel. And so they say, well, you know, Jesus Jesus says he's asleep. They say if he's asleep, he'll wake up. And Jesus says, no. This miracle, this thing I'm going to do, this sleep, this illness, does not lead to anything but to show God's glory the amazing thing that is going to take place at this time is going to be a revelation that I am truly, Jesus says, the son of God. You're not going to be able to miss it. He's going to be glorified in the event. So he's delayed. We all know the rest of the story. He delays. He gets there. The hired mourners are all around the outside because they paid people to come in and mourn. I mean, Mary, well, Mary's at home. Martha's there when Jesus gets there, and she says, Jesus, if, if you had come sooner, things would be so different. And I wonder how many times in our lives we say, Wow, if I hadn't done that, or if I had taken the time to do that, things would be different. So she says to Jesus, if you had only come, if only Jesus, and he says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Everyone 
who lives and believes in me will never die. And he says, do you believe this? And she says to him, yes, I do believe that. I believe you're the Messiah. And I can say, hear her thinking inside, so why didn't you come sooner, Jesus? We could have changed everything if you'd only come sooner. And he says, well, just watch what's going to happen, Martha. By this time, Mary um, is around and Jesus calls the dead man to come out of the tomb. Martha says, oh my gosh, this is not a good idea. It's going to be smelly. It's going to be nasty. This is not a good idea, Jesus. He says, roll away the stone. And he says, now I want you to picture yourself there. Okay, you've been wailing and mourning for this person who has died. Jesus is having the stone rolled back, and you're thinking, what on earth could possibly happen? He's dead. We know what dead is. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come on out. And Lazarus comes forth, wrapped in linen bandages from head to toe that they would have buried people in. I was reading over my sermon this morning, and I thought, this reminds me of the play Dead Man Walking. Do you all remember that? And so those who are seeing this are literally seeing a dead man walking out of his tomb. And they're stunned. And Jesus says, well, it would be a good idea if we unbound him so that he could walk around. Okay, so think how grateful this family is. Think how amazed these bystanders are. Think how offended some of them are because they go off and tell the Pharisees, what? This man, Jesus, just called a dead guy from the tomb. The Pharisees are not pleased. They're not one bit pleased. And so begins the final plot to make sure that Jesus does not survive this Passover in Jerusalem. So we move into today's gospel. And Jesus is having dinner with Mary, Martha, Lazarus, the disciples. And I can only think, now he's on his way to Jerusalem. It's two or three days from Passover. And I have to think this was a meal of Thanksgiving. We're just going to celebrate the fact that Lazarus is with us, that we've got Jesus here, that this is an amazing event. And they're reclining at table, which is always interesting to me because you have to picture them at a very low table. So their faces are inward, but their feet are outward. And they're stretching there, probably kind of resting on an elbow. So they're very much face-to-face as they're talking. And so they're reclining at the table, having who knows what kind of conversation, probably something profound since Jesus is there, when all of a sudden Mary comes in and she takes a flask that she has and breaks it open and pours not a few drops, which is what would be expected, but a pound of oil, of nard, on Jesus' feet. I mean, think about 
a pound being poured out. It's extravagant. And then Mary does the unbelievable. She unbinds her long hair. There were two things that a woman, a Jewish woman, never did. Number one, they never touched a man they weren't married to. And number two, they never unbound their hair in public. So she has committed two grievous breaches of etiquette in her society. And think about this. She can't do this standing up. So she is kneeling at the feet of Jesus that are stretched out. And she is using her hair to wipe all the excess oil off. Their hair was a symbol of her beauty to a potential husband, but she's using it to wipe the feet of Jesus. This is an incredibly shocking and profound situation to have taking place at your table. And in the midst of this, Judah says, well, we could have done a lot with that money. We could have done a lot. And Jesus totally disregards him. And he says, to leave Mary alone. She's anointing me. And he knows. And probably, I mean, think about it. John is writing this, so he knows what's going to happen. You know how you can have a feeling something's just not going to end well? And I think Mary knew. The word was out on Jesus. And so she is doing the most significant thing she can do for his burial. You see, when you're crucified, you're usually on the cross all day. And when they take the bodies down, there is no time to anoint them. They immediately go into either a cave or some kind of grave situation that's been provided. So she is anointing Jesus in a very moving and just extravagant action. And I think that's one of the things that we are supposed to hear in this scene. Remember a few weeks ago, most all of you were there because it's the same group that was in the chapel. Um, And I talked about the fact that as Christians, we are called to what kind of living? Extravagant living. Extravagant living. Not extravagant in going out and buying an 80-inch TV, but extravagant in loving and sharing and extending grace to people. And I think that's what Mary models for us today. Extravagance. Unmeasured devotion. Love, everything, she pours it all out on Jesus' feet. Extravagance. One of the things that we're particularly called to. But there's another thing here that I think we need to listen to. And that's that Jesus receives He receives this extravagance. He lets her pour out on his his love, her love on him. 
and he receives it. And I wonder how many times you and I have said when somebody called, oh, it's no big deal. You don't have to help me. You don't have to do that. You don't have to. I don't need your help. Jesus isn't saying that. He's modeling the fact that we also need to learn not only to give and love extravagantly, but to be willing to receive the love that is given back to us and the help. Now, we've got lots of examples of that around the church, and we talked about the, the feeding of the people last week, but, you know, there were a number of people around here that set up everything. The altar guild, that's why it looks so good. I didn't do it. They came in and served, probably yesterday and some this morning. Yesterday, a bunch of you were serving, cleaning up the campus, making Good Shepherd a warm, hospitable place, pouring out love, enjoying fellowship with one another. You see, you and I are on a journey here. Jesus is on a journey as well. Jesus is on his final journey. And you and I are on a journey to draw people in, to share that extravagant love that Mary models for us, to receive people where they are and welcome them. And we really need to get busy on doing it because... I'm tired of writing 35 in the book. I want to write 36 next week or 38. We need to take our journey and carry it outward, to invite people into Good Shepherd. So, extravagance, extravagant living. Life in the Christian community is a continual journey. We're not ever going to finish that journey while we're walking around breathing. We're supposed to be in journey. We're we're supposed to be living extravagantly and extending grace. On the cross, in a few short days, Jesus will model the ultimate example of extravagant love. God's love poured out. Jesus' suffering through the cross. And all because we serve a God who loves us extravagantly. He holds nothing back. He invites everyone in. And he loves each one of us individually. Like, like we're an only child almost. He is so consumed with desire and love for each one of us that he pours out his life for us. So, we get the best gift ever. It's an extravagant expression of love. But we don't get this gift to hang on to, to keep to ourselves. Oh, I'm so forgiven. I'm so good. No. We are given this gift to hold in trust. 
for all the people that we meet so that you and I can be a model of grace and love and extravagance in somebody else's life. Mary was unashamedly extravagant. Jesus was an amazing recipient, just letting the oil be poured on him, knowing what it was, giving and receiving extravagance and grace. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be examples and givers of extravagant love and extravagant grace in the world. So, may we be so. May we be so. May we accept that challenge. Amen.